Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 18th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Hello, good evening, I'm Liz Mitchell. While Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and legislatures and its Department of Education are passing laws to distort the state's history. Historian Dr. Marvin Dunn has pushed back by escorting a bus of public school teachers to sites of past racial violence in Florida. The tours were conducted on August 12th and 13th. A former, na former naval officer and now researcher, Dr. Dunn is a professor emeritus of the Department of Psychology at Florida International University. Uh, he's a retired chairperson of the department since 2006. He has published numerous articles in leading newspapers on race and ethnic relations. He is the author of several books, including The History of Florida, Through Black Eyes, Black Miami in the 20th Century, and The Miami Riot of 1980, Crossing the Bounds. When we first spoke with Dr. Dunn in April of this year, he was leading his signature, Teach the Truth Tour, which was profiled in such publications as the New York Times, Washington Post, Mother Jones, CNN, and MSNBC. Dr. Dunn is also the president of the Miami Center for Racial Justice. That organization was formed in the wake of the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis police in 2020. Dr. Dunn, it is so good to see you and welcome back to Bring It On. Thank you. It's good to be back. Bring it on. It's uh, great to have you, sir. And uh, as they say, let no moss grow on a stone. I mean, you've been moving and you've been active. And I just wanted to lead off. With a quick question, I know we're going to talk about Teach No Lies Tour, but before we talk about that, and again, for the benefit of our listeners and starting with the Teach the Truth Tour, can you share with us the motivations behind conducting these impactful tours? Yes, and thank you for having me on again. The motivation was and is that Florida teachers are now being required to teach lies that DeSantis has determined that Black history in Florida is going to be buried, that there are stories that students can't hear, that teachers can't teach. And um, his poisoning of education in Florida is apt to, 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 to metastasize to other parts of the country. So what we wanted to do, the Miami Center for Racial Justice, which is a nonprofit that sponsors these tours, and we take people at no cost, we buy everything except food, uh, on this overnight trip to these places that we select. Um, normally we have been taking kids. These The tour lately was, was, was teachers. But the reason for taking the kids and their parents or a grandparent was to forge an experience that they would never forget. 
You take a, 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 a high school kid and his grandpa to Rosewood or to Newberry or to any of these places, they will never forget that. And that's why our focus has been teach the truth to the kids and their parents or grandparents, and they will pass these stories on, which is the way our history has been historically passed on orally. Um, but with the, red, the uh, increase in pressure from DeSantis on our teachers, with school opening now, um, I decided to take a group of teachers uh, on this tour, and we just got back last night. So I, I, I've been on a bus with 35 teachers for two days. And you want to try that anytime. Did they, uh, did they we, put... Did, we, we had a ball. Did they put you on detention? <laughs> well, fortunately, I was in a position to put them in detention. The bus there you go. For rest stop. <laughs> we stopped for a rest stop. I said, okay, children, this is a rest stop. This is not a food stop. I'm sitting there waiting. Here comes somebody with coffee. Someone else, I said, did you all, darn it, get back on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> These are folks who have been teaching 35, 40 years. So yeah. I was able to usher them along. But I'm telling you, I think for them, uh, in fact, they said so. It was a life-changing experience. Because, you know, we, we laugh about it now in the aftermath, but I took them to some terrible places. I took yeah, them... You, well, we'll, we'll get to that later, but... Uh, well, it, 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 you're, it you're, you're about to... You're about to talk about it now, and and in the introduction, you, you just said Newberry and Rosewood. Now, I've heard about Rosewood, even saw the movie with Bing mm -hmm. Rames, and uh, then there's Newberry, and then Okoe... Okoye, yes. yes. Can you share with us about those areas? And I'm going to yield over to Liz afterwards. Yeah. What happened in Okoye? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In 1920, uh, women got the vote. And that was a very hot time in America because a lot of whites, particularly white men, were opposed to women getting the vote. So it was a very contentious period when race riots all over the country around that time. In Okoye, in 1920, a man named, a black man named July Perry, who actually was fairly wealthy. He had orange groves. He was a labor contractor. He was the man who took black uh, orange pickers to other people's orange groves, the white men's orange groves. So he was a very powerful man because he controlled labor to a lot, large degree. If it made July Perry angry, you just may not get any pickers delivered to your, to your groves. So he had his own wealth, and he also had this Capacity to influence who got who uh, got laborers and who didn't. Anyway, he goes to the uh, polls uh, to vote. Now, the lie that the whites told was that he went there with a gun, with a shotgun, which we know is not true. Uh, but he was turned away from the polls. He left. He went to Orlando, Orlando to see Judge John Cheney. Cheney was a white Republican judge. And Republican judges, a few of them were still left by 1920, were supportive of black rights. That's right. So John Judge Cheney sent July Perry back to the polls to get the names of the men who turned him away. He shouldn't have done that. That was a dangerous thing to ask of a, a black man to do. July Perry goes back. He has a friend, uh, Mose Norman, lived across the road from him, also a fairly well-to-do black man. The two of them go to the polls, and they they get challenged. Uh, for not paying their poll taxes. And mind you, these, these are two of the richest black men in Okoye. 
Uh, and they were also activists, pressing for people to vote. So why would these two men not have paid their poll taxes? But that was a common response to white violence over, over, over black voting. You hadn't paid your, your poll taxes. So the two of them leave, and, uh, and July Perry goes home. Mose Norman gets in his brand new Oldsmobile automobile, and he leaves town. Goes to New York, never heard from again. A mob approaches July Perry's house. They want to confront this man who caused disturbances at the polls. Um, they surround his house, this mob does, and they start shooting into it. And they kill two of their own members. This is according to the Orange County Sheriff, that this mob killed two of their own members through friendly fire. The undertaker who buried them has that in his records as well, killed by friendly fire from others on the scene. And yet, the lie that July Perry killed two white men who were trying to enforce the law, that's what brought the mob to Okoye. And they came in and burned down the entire section. Okoye had two black sections. Burned down one section of it. People had to flee. We know that at least 300 people died in Okoye in those two or three days. July Perry, when the attack on this house began, manages to crawl out of the back of the house and he's crawling through his backyard and he gets to a cane patch and hides from the mob and his dog comes out of the back door looking for him and takes the mob right to him. So, uh, The end of it was that he was taken to jail in Orlando. A mob broke into the jail, took him close to Judge Cheney's house, close to the judge's house, and hung him. Mm. Problem with Okoye is that the state of Florida's new standards require teachers to teach the Okoye riot and requires them to teach the lie that there was white on black violence in Okoye, when in fact there was white men killing each other and not July Perry who committed that violence. Um, so that's one reason why we went to Okoye. And one of the places I took them to in Okoye is a place called the Hallowed Ground. It's an empty lot surrounded by an iron picket fence about six feet tall, just a smooth grass cut lot. And that's where they buried 300 people. Most of them burned up, including children. And uh, the monument, and that's in, and this hallowed ground is in a white community. Okoye is now, the black people are left. So this hallowed ground is, is, is now recognized as where these people were, were, were buried. But the marker there says, and I'll try to paraphrase, uh, here lies some of the African residents who called Okoye home. That's what the marker says. It doesn't say there are 300 victims who were massacred, burned to death, including children, buried behind this fence. That's all it says. So when I say they're whitewashing black history in Florida, even in Okoye, where they try to at least recognize if something happened, they still mess it up. They still can't say there are 300 American citizens, including children, buried behind these, this fence. So that's what happened uh, in Okoye. 
a part of what they were trying to do is to make it appear that same thing with Roosevelt, that there's equivalency in racial violence, that blacks did it, whites did it, everybody was doing it, so don't blame whites for lynching. Blacks were doing it too. And that same lie is told in Rosewood, which is why I took the, the, the teachers there as well. The lie that, that Sylvester Carey, the hero of, of Rosewood, the black man who was in his mama's house with his family, uh, protected them from this mob in 1923 when Rose, the, the Rosewood massacre happened. This man is in his house with his family, in fact, extended family members, children upstairs, and the mob comes behind this lie that Fanny Taylor told, this white woman told that a black man had assaulted her. And they're in front of this man's house demanding that he comes out of the house. And, and his mother, Sarah Carey, goes to the window. She raised, puts a stick under the, hold the window up. And she's talking to these men. My son didn't have anything to do with this. My son was not involved. And they shot her dead. His, his mother falls dead in front of him. Then two white men come up onto the steps to try to enter the house, and Sylvester Carey shot him dead. And now that's considered black on white race violence. That's what DeSantis wants teachers in Florida to teach about Rosewood. And damn it, we will not have it. And that's why I took those 30 teachers up there to show them the truth, and we will take others as well. Uh, that's a long account <laughs> to a short question. Well, thank you so much for sharing that so that our listening audience will know exactly what it is you're trying to do and what exactly the governor is trying to cover up and trying to soft pedal the truth, uh, supposedly to to uh, make it easy, palatable for other people to swallow. Now, you know, um, he's, saying that he, he's saying that Black scholars are advising him. He is citing Black scholars who were giving him this information about enslaved people uh, having benefit from their enslavement. Is that a lie? Is, uh, uh, is it a lie that he has black people doing it? Right. No, it's true. Let me explain. Let me... Yeah, you <laughs> better tell me about this. All right. Florida has a, has an African-American uh, African history task force. It was appointed. Members are appointed by the Commissioner of Education in Florida. Manny Diaz is his name. 11 members. It started in 1994. I was on the first one, the first appointed committee uh, that was responsible for helping the school districts in Florida incorporate Black history into their curriculum. That's what that group was set up to do, advise the Commissioner of Education mm -hmm. on incorporating Black history in, in the school districts in the seven districts of Florida. They weren't doing anything in 1994 when I was on it. DeSantis comes into office and he moves these people aside and he appoints what he calls a work group to advise him on Black history and these standards that we're now discussing. Who was on the work group? Black Republican extremists. He appointed some of the most extreme. He appointed Clarence Thomas type Republicans, Black Republicans, to that task force. For example, one woman on the task, Black woman, I have her on film saying, thank God for slavery. I could have been in Africa worshiping a tree. That's one of the women, one of the women, one of the people on this, on this task force. The same woman says, Jews own everything. The same woman says, I thank God for the crack house. That is who he's listening to. Another one of his advisors, Dr. West, I think his name is, is telling DeSantis and the Department of Education that to teach both sides of, of slavery. All sides have to be taught. That's what DeSantis is hearing from these black people. 
but I'm telling you they are black conservative Republicans who are of the same ilk as Clarence Thomas. And they are propping up this lie, these lies that DeSantis is pushing on Florida and will push on the country. I, at my age, I think when people are doing anything, they're benefiting from it somehow, uh, whether it's financial or what. How are these black people benefiting from not telling the truth? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, the, the census is powerful in Florida, and some people suspect he's going to be president. And with that kind of presidential aura around you, you can attract a lot of people to help you. Plus, I don't think it took a lot of convincing of these Black folks to say what they said. I think they would have been saying the same things even if, they, if it were not for the Sanders. We need to recognize that, and I don't mean to, to disparage Black Republicans. In fact, I think our country needs two parties, needs two strong parties. But we must recognize that the Republican Party has an element of Black extremists that are very much in tune with Trump. And sometimes we'll see them at Trump rallies. And these people are in a sense, providing justification to right-wing extremists to believe that Black people feel that these things are true. Well, I've got several questions lined up, but since you just said what you said, Dr. Dunn, uh, one of my questions is, how dangerous are these times for Black Americans? Well, <clears throat> that was a moment when I would say, um, uh, that we are beyond Black Americans having to worry about their physical health, physical safety in Florida. I can't say that anymore. The feelings in my state are so intense that I don't think that, that, that this is a safe place. I was in Rosewood yesterday on my property and my neighbor across the street, the guy who attacked me, I think you know about that story, right? No. You know? Have you, Clarence? No, I have not. Uh, can you please shout out? This case, it's all over the news. Let me. I thought I thought we covered this the last time I was with you. Mm -hmm. Let me back up then. All right. Okay. I thought, I thought you knew about this. As I think I told you, I'm the only black person who owns land in Rosewood. I have five acres out there that's pristine, yes. untouched, and all that. Uh, when the 100th recognition of the masculine approach this past January, um, I wanted to have my property cleaned off, cleared away, so that I could have people on the property to recognize this event. So last September 5th and 6th, I went to my property um, to meet with two white contractors to talk about clearing the property. My neighbor across the street, white, of course, to whom I've never spoken since 2008 when I left the property, nor he to me, comes out as we're getting ready to leave, uh, this is a dirt, this is a rural area, so it's a dirt, clay road. So he, we were getting ready to leave, and my neighbor comes out in his truck, and he slows down, and he lets the window down and says, what's going on out here? I said, well, sir, uh, this is my property, and we're getting ready, and that's as far as I got. He says, well, if it's your property, why don't you all park on your side of the road? I said, well, this is a county road. We'll park wherever we wish to. He guns his truck, makes a U-turn, almost runs over two or three people, and he starts shouting racial epithet. I don't know how liberal y'all are with this radio station, but 
Uh, I won't repeat the vulgarities that he uh, uttered, uttered, but mainly using the word nigger, 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 and the F word along with it. And he drives back into, oh, and one, with one of the white guys there, he yells to him, you're just as bad as the niggers. And he goes back into his property. So we're saying, what the hell, what just happened? And here he comes again with that truck at full speed. I heard the truck before I saw it. Comes out of his driveway with the skid marks. The police took photographs of him and runs straight towards us. Had we not gotten out of the road, one of us, more, a more would have been killed. Came within inches of hitting my son. And he speeds off. So one of the white guys who was with us called the police before I could. So the county police comes out. Uh, it takes several days, but they arrest him and charge him with using this truck as a weapon. So he's, he's facing an assault charge in Levy County for what he did to us. When I got back to Miami that night, the next day, rather, I called the FBI and reported reported this as a hate crime. Yes. I want your listeners to know all this crap you're hearing about the Justice Department, this and that, those people were wonderful. They jumped on this, and this is the FBI in Gainesville, Florida. They jumped on this so fast and so hard, I'm, I, I'm just filled with appreciation. In any case, he got charged with six counts of a hate crime against the four black people and against the two white people who were on that who were on that road. Uh, his trial was two weeks ago in uh, Gainesville. I went, I testified, my son testified. Uh, 11, a 12 person federal jury, not a black person on the jury. Not a black person on this federal jury to hear this case. Uh, so we went in, we testified, the, black, the, the, the white guys who were there testified first. I think they gave some gravitas to what we had to say later. Uh, case lasted two days. I gave my testimony, my son tes testified, and uh, then we waited for the verdict. And I got a call from the judge because they let us stay in a hotel, got a hotel room for just a couple of blocks from the, court, from the courthouse and said, well, give you 10 minutes warning before the verdict comes in. So sure enough, about 5.30, 6 o'clock at night, they called and say, come on down, got 10 minutes to get here. So I go rushing down to the courthouse, and as, as I get there, the jury's leaving. So it's on lockdown, you can't go in. They finally let me go upstairs. There was a little, little an FBI agent, a black lady who has been on this case all along. I won't call her name. They sent her down to get me into the building. And she was to take me up to the lawyers to tell me what had happened with the verdicts. She couldn't contain herself. Dr. Dunn, they got it. All six counts. They got him. We got him. I'm not supposed to tell you. The lawyer's supposed to tell you, but I got to tell you, we got him. So we get upstairs, and sure enough, the lawyers are there. These, this is the, the U.S. attorney uh, in Gainesville announced that the jury verdict was guilty on all six counts. This man is now facing 10 years on each count, and he is not a young man. Wednesday, he is going to be tried in Levy County for, for the state charge. And then he's going to be sent away. I went up there oh. Sunday. Uh, just, and I'll share this with you. Uh, with, with these teachers, and uh, if you look at my Facebook, on my Twitter page, you will see this. He has a sign, a, a flag in front of his property, which shows, oh, you should see it, a white hand pulling back the American flag under which is the Confederate flag. He has a white hand, like 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 a cloth pulling 
Right. And then you see underneath it the Confederate flag. This so, fool has just gotten convicted of six counts of the hate crime, and he hangs that in his front yard. But uh, that's what happened. He's going. So is he considered a hero? Oh, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, uh, I think a lot of people in the area, white people, resent what he did. The sheriff of Levy County called me after this happened to tell to apologize. He said, Dr. Dunn, this is not us. Now, mind you, most of them are Trump Republicans up there, including yes. the sheriff. But he wanted me to know that this is not us. We started this happen to you. And he gave me his personal cell number. And he said, if you have any trouble, any hint of trouble, you call me anytime, day or night. And without okay. death within moments. Okay. Well, so that's what happened in, in, in Rosewood with my neighbor. And uh, we just got back last night again from uh, being up there and seeing this flag in front of his mm -hmm. house. Now, I saw uh, just recently that the chair of the con Congressional Black Caucus, his name is Congressman Stephen Hortsford, he said, and I quote, Black people are under attack. Do you agree with this assessment? Yes. Yes. <clears throat> you see, every four years, have you noticed? Every four years, the whole race thing comes back. You know, it's Willie Horton. It's you know, the Republicans cannot run for president without doing it, playing the race card. And so here we are again. And whatever happens with this four-year election cycle, in four more years, the Republicans will again play the race card because they know that that's a soft spot in America. And if you twist that knife just the right way, making white people be afraid that they're losing the country, losing your culture, uh, they're coming in from all over, they're taking over, they're having babies just to increase their numbers. It scares people. And now you got this fool trying to suppress our history so that white people don't have to face up to what's happened to us in Florida and in this country. So yes, we are under attack. Our history is under attack, which is just as dangerous and just as bad as being physically under attack. Now, this march that you had, you had you've had the marchers, the march coming up this Wednesday. Wednesday coming. Okay, that's that's what I had. The march coming up on the Wednesday, August 16th. What mm -hmm. do you help hope to gain from this, from the march? What do you think it's gonna do to help? It's a good question. Governor Santos likes to say that he owns the libs in Florida. We own the prep, we own the libs. And one of the reasons he can say that is we haven't really shown up in any big numbers to confront his crap. I think on Wednesday, we're gonna show up in great numbers. Uh, we have so many organizations that have joined in this march. Um, the police have been great. The city's going to be closed down downtown. We're going to close down downtown Miami. We have 700 Black Teamsters who are caucusing and meeting in Miami this week. They are walking with us. So I expect, I don't know, thousands. And why do it? This march is not against our school board. It's against the state of Florida and DeSantis' standards. Our school board has good people. I've known someone for 35, 40 years. Yeah. This is against the standards that, that this man is forcing on us. So what are we going to say when we get out there on Wednesday? We will not allow our teachers to teach our kids that, that slave enslaved people benefited from slavery. 
we simply will not allow that to happen in our schools. Thank you so much. So Thank well, that's, you that's so our, much. That's our basic message. Um, so you know, it's, it's it's so difficult to find a vehicle through which you you can express this rage. You know, you're talking about people who are law-abiding folks who believe in, 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 in respecting the rules, who don't want to cause trouble, but who wish to be heard. So it's a mechanism for people to get out and physically be heard. If you just tuned in to Bring It On, we're having a riveting conversation with Dr. Marvin Dunn. Dr. Dunn is a professor emeritus of the Department of Psychology at Florida International University. Dr. Dunn is a researcher, author, presenter, and now tour host of two amazing experiences. The first called Teach the Truth Tours, and the just concluded second tour was Teach No Lies. Um, we're talking about Governor DeSantis and his quest to run for the presidency, number one, while totally trampling the rights and the history of, of, of several communities in Florida. Uh, first, I guess, was the attack on Disney, which uh, I think economically has hit Florida. Uh, and we'll, years from now, know the economic impact of that. And then he's firing top-ranking uh, individuals throughout the state because they're not on his side. And we were just talking about the um, the, the the school boards and his decision to eliminate curriculum that teaches the truth, hence your motivation for the Teach No Lies tour. What do people in Florida think about Governor DeSantis? Um, is he just, in his, in his own state, a hero? Or because the polls don't bear that out. He's ridiculed, he's mocked. But, but what do people think about him? Keep in mind that when DeSantis ran the first time, against a black man named Andrew Gillum, he almost lost. DeSantis almost got beaten by a black man by what, 35, 40,000 votes out of 11 million votes. Florida's a much more purple state than people give credit. So I think we're going to see Florida in the aftermath of this, even leading up to the presidential election, uh, come back to its more natural state as a, as a purple state. Uh, if you ask what do people think of DeSantis in Florida, once you go once you go north of West Palm Beach, you are in DeSantis country in Florida, particularly in North Florida. So yes, he's popular among white people in Florida, but I don't know that his popularity can stand against the more moderate progressive whites once they become focused and determined to make a decision about whether or not this is the kind of country they want. Well, I noticed that he suspended state's Attorney General Monique Worrell for not agreeing in theory with him or, yes. or having a mind to think on her own. Can you comment a little bit about that action? Yes. He he attacks uh, these uh, uh, assisted, uh, uh, state attorneys that he feels are soft on crime, letting criminals out, and therefore those criminals are terrorizing the white community. It's still playing the race card. Still playing that same, same card. Uh, appealing to white fear that some prosecutors are so soft, so liberal, so leftist that they're letting murderers out on the street. Remember Willie Horton, that whole thing back? I think it was whichever Republican brought that up. But it's, it's the same thing that uh, 
uh, if a prosecutor does not prosecute cases that DeSantis believes should be prosecuted, he'll, he'll, he'll fire them. And apparently the Florida Constitution allows it. But you know what? The Constitution allows that supposedly in the most extreme cases where, you know, where the government has, has stepped in and take someone out because of obviously apparent law-breaking questionable behavior. So he should legitimately have that power. But DeSantis is abusing it. And he's abusing it against his political enemies. And and is there a black caucus within your legislature, state legislature, that is supporting uh, the initiatives that you're undertaking right now? Yes, there is. Uh, uh, Florida State Senator Geraldine Thompson is in the uh, Orlando area. She is the head of the Legislative Black Caucus in Florida. Uh, 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 Senator uh, Thompson uh, proposed and got through a bill to fund the Rosewood Park that we're trying to start with a minimum amount of money, it's $130,000 to help us get that park started. Uh, she and the, and the Black Caucus got that uh, item all the way through the legislature, all the way uh, into the budget approved by both houses. This is a Republican-controlled uh, uh, legislature. Goes to DeSantis' desk and he vetoed it. He took it out. The mere, and mind, mind you, Florida has a, listen to carefully, listeners. Florida has an $11 billion surplus. We have the largest surplus that we've ever had in Florida. And that man took out that little measly $125,000, $130,000 we wanted to be able to put some toilets in some places, some shelter in at that Rosewood Park. Now, you got it. Why? Why did he do that with all this money that he's sitting on? It's because he's a mean spirited little man who is trying to be a big man and anything that he can do to at this point really attack me, anything I'm trying to do, I think is part of that motivation. Have you had a, a conversation with Governor DeSantis? Personal one-on-one no. -on -one or an exchange of any kind? No, I've never met the man. When he started this whole uh, uh, stop woke thing, I wrote him a letter, less than a year now, detailed letter, it made the press, very nice letter asking, and a lot of the uh, laws that he's passing, what can I teach or, or what can I not teach about black history in Florida? At that time, I was teaching some uh, university administrators how to do black Florida tours and black Miami tours. I wanted to know, can I tell them that Miami was, was born in institutional racism, that there was not a single institution in Miami's history that was not racist in the beginning? Am I able to tell these people this? Can I tell people that we had slavery in Miami, and there are cases of slaves who were violently ab abused in Miami. So no, no response ever from the governor. I've sent the same letter to Manny Diaz, the commissioner of education, no response from, from him. And he was supposed to come to Miami last week. I don't know if you heard. Uh, it was astonishing. Manny Diaz, the man who was imposing now these standards on, uh, on us, was to come to a black church last week in, in Miami. Antioch Baptist Church, DeSantis, uh, uh, Manny Diaz was coming, number one man in education, was coming to the black community, and we were going to get a chance to talk to him, ask some questions. The very night of the event, he canceled, would not show up. I was so ready for that man, I'm telling you, I had all these questions for him, but Manny Diaz would not dare show his face in the black community in Florida today. Oh, wow. And then finally, Finally, one last one last follow-up. The NAACP put out a travel advisory for Blacks for the state of Florida. 
Mm-hmm. Were you aware of that before they launched that? Did they consult with individuals such as yourself as far as a path to take to raise the awareness of what's going on in Florida? I was not aware of it before it happened. And I know the president of the of the Florida chapter uh, very well, but I didn't know about it before. Hmm. And and has that been lifted or adjusted or modified at all? No, not at all. The word is still out from the, from the NAACP that Florida is a dangerous place for Black people to visit. And as you may or may not know, several Black organizations have started to put out their plans to come to Florida. The uh, the Alphas, the uh, the fraternity, uh, canceled. Their convention, their meeting in Florida, millions of dollars lost because the alphas pulled out and other black professional groups are doing the same thing. And I know there's controversy about that because some people say, well, you're in black businesses if you do that. I don't really think so because the money that's being brought in by people coming into Miami, into Florida, isn't spent in black businesses. I was going to say, yeah. It's spent on Miami Beach. It's spent in Little Havana. You know, it, it's not spent in, in our community. So I supported the the uh, the the, uh, the statement, even though I was not consulted beforehand. Well, Dr. Dunn, uh, do you are there any other states following uh, DeSantis? Any because you know they kind of look and go, oh yeah, I like that. I'm gonna do that too. Do you Kentucky, know of any other states trying to do this? Kentucky, Tennessee, Arkansas. They're all moving towards suppressing the teaching of Black history. They're all uh, uh, being supported by the Moms for Liberty people, uh, which is really a political arm of the DeSantis uh, uh, campaign. So this idea of enough of the Black history, you know, it, it's kind of interesting when I hear some white people, people talk about it because they don't think that they're being prejudiced. They're just saying enough is just too much, too much slavery. I don't want to hear any more about slavery and lynching. It's just too much. And that's what we get from these moms for liberty folks who say, I don't want my children hearing all this stuff. It's just too much. And let's shut it, shut it down in schools. When I've had a couple of, of uh, the dominant race say that to me and what I do, and I say, okay, let's not talk about that then. Let's not talk about slavery. Let's talk about doing my lifetime Jim Crow laws and me living under segregation and my parents not able to get good jobs. So let's talk about that and and how it has hurt all the way down the line where uh, financially, you know, buying a home. We couldn't even buy a home where we wanted to. I lived through that. So... And then still, Let's say, you can't want to talk about that either. You, you and cannot, I'm not dead. I'm still yeah. here and I remember no, Liz, that. You cannot share your lived experiences if they may make a white child feel bad. You cannot tell your lived experiences as a black person who survived Jim Crow in a Florida school because a white child might feel bad and go home and tell his mama and you could be fired for making a, a white child feel bad. Because parents have have had teachers fired or had books removed from the library because little Johnny or Janie came home and said, hey, they taught us this. That's correct. Exactly. Exactly. We've had we've had instances in in, in Florida where one parent 
can go into a school, go to the library and say, I don't want this, 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 and have those books removed. In one school district, one parent had 162 books removed from the library, one parent. That's DeSantis's parents' rights emphasis, that parents have a right to decide what their children can read or, or, or will not be able to read in school. So and you so simply you can't you simply can't say, I don't want you to read this book. We're in a free country, and in free countries, I personally don't understand banning a book. If I choose not to read the book, that's on me. I somewhere there's a choice. So my choices or choices of other children are being taken away. So well, but see, listen to me. Book banning is bad enough. Yes, one of the things that we're protesting. But be careful with what uh, what you what what DeSantis is doing. It's not the book banning that's worse. It's banning ideas. If you ban the idea of institutional racism in a Florida school, in the Florida school system, you ban that idea. Then many books will follow. Any book that mentions institutional racism is therefore it's a banned. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a more sweeping denial and suppression than just the banning of individual books. It's banning ideas. And that goes back to Hitlerism. That goes back to the darkest periods of, of human history. Okay. Let's talk about, just for a little bit, uh, everything that's going on. At the Florida brawl, I mean, the... the um, uh, Alabama bra, uh, the the three Tennessee congressmen. If the um, one of them DeSantis, is coming to our, one of them is coming to our rally Wednesday. Oh, great! Justin is coming down to speak. But go ahead, I, I interrupted you. But go ahead. Uh, Braxton, Mississippi, two black men tortured. This is twenty twenty three. They were I can't even mention everything that these officers did to them. I don't even where the thought came from. Um, an eight-month pregnant black female accused of carjacking. Now, at eight months, you're pretty big. Uh, facial recognition failure. She's the first black woman arrested, put in jail for that, uh, had to go to the hospital after getting out. No one would listen to her. They said, hey, that's not me. I can't carjack. I'm eight months pregnant. I hadn't heard that story. Uh, all of these things going on and on. I, and then I got to thinking, okay, we talk about Black America. For me, from the time I was young to now, I got to understand the definition of it. Define Black America for me. And does that include the one drop rule? If anybody knows what that is anymore. One drop rule. Others, well, if you have one drop of black blood, then uh, then you're a black person. It, it really meant that if either of your great great grandparents were black, then you are a black person. That's that's how the law was written in Southern states. If either yeah. one of your great grandparents was black, then you are a black person. No matter how light your skin is or bright blue your eyes are, is that still in effect? Well, you know, I think just in terms of uh, social practice, it is. If they, if they, and see, it's so ridiculous because we're all mixed up now. I don't know if if, if you were to if you were to round up every white person 
It was white, nothing else but white. In, in Dade County, if you rounded up every white person, they wouldn't, you couldn't feel the orange bowl. There just aren't that many people who are still racially pure. But here we are, you're right, in a day and age where we cannot get away from race. And now we have politicians who are playing that card every four years playing it hard. How could we ever move beyond this point? I was thinking just last night, how DeSantis has, has divided us so defiantly. I've not felt this alienated in my country since the, the 60s when we were marching. It's a terrible feeling that we're so split apart. And then uh, look at what happened with this jury in, in, uh, in Gainesville, all white jury, finding this racist guilty and willing to send him, him to prison. That speaks to the other side of our nature, in our, in our country. And it gives me hope, I must say, that this is not going to last forever. This is not the America we're going to be living in uh, uh, for a long time. This is a passing phase. Uh, I just think that most people, Liz and Clarence, I mean, most people will do the right thing if they have the right information. I think most people will do the right thing. That get, that keeps me hopeful about our country. I have one more question, and I'm going to pass, pass the ball to, to Clarence. Is this all pushback because we had a Black president? Partly. Partly. Uh, when, Ob when Obama became president, a lot of white people, particularly in the South and the West, became convinced that the country was lost. As you may recall, they called him a Muslim, wasn't even an American. Yeah. His elevation to the presidency frightened so many white people, white men in particular, that there was a shift that was available there to, to Trump and others to come in and fill that void. You're going to have another black man become president? In, a, in what's supposed to be a white man's country? Yes, it was a factor. It still is a factor. Well, if you've just joined us, uh, we're having, again, a riveting conversation with Dr. Marvin Dunn, who was who is Professor Emeritus of the Department of Psychology at Florida International University. He's a researcher, author, presenter, and now a tour host of two amazing experiences. The first called Teach the Truth Tours, and the tour that just concluded this weekend was Teach No Lies. There is a march that will be taking place later this week that we'll ask him about as we sort of bring this conversation to a close. But as we sort of segue in that direction, I have a question. What is the definition of woke? <laughs> Okay, I'm going to give you my best shot. Woke is trying to appease blacks, basically. That's what, you know, trying to have equality, trying to have diversity, trying to include the minorities. People who are doing that are considered woke, and woke is bad. I, that, that's how, how, I, how I see it. My my hypothesis is, is I ask if I ask ten people what woke is, I'm going to get ten different definitions. That's right. Someone used it perhaps right. in a, a moment of frustration, 
trying to encapsulate their thoughts. And they have, not, not they, but someone took it and ran with it as this is anathema. This is, this is the most evil thing in America next to defund the police. And, and when I asked people years ago, well, what do you mean by defund? And I've had debates on this show about you're going to take resources from who? And do I call you if I'm in trouble? And we had a little stalemate. But it just went to prove that that's not what they meant. It meant restructure the training, uh, send resources to mm -hmm. other elements and activities. And, and Liz's husband, a former law enforcement officer, may have an opinion on this defund the police. I think I did ask Jim uh, back then. But now it, it's... DeSantis has grabbed on to that word woke. Yeah. And he has put that as a platform plank that I am against wokeism. Florida is against wokeism. And when I'm elected president, the country will be against wokeism. So my simple question is, Governor DeSantis, define woke. I don't I don't think he can. And I'll tell you both something. Um America doesn't seem to care. America's not grabbing on to anti-wokeness as being a thing they care about. It just hasn't played the way that DeSantis thought that it would play. Outside of his bubble, his uh, Freedom Caucus bubble, uh, this isn't working. What you just did in asking that question and making the point that if you ask 10 different people what woke is, you'll get 10 different answers. Mm -hmm. And that's why woke, anti-woke will not take him to the White House. It's just not that meaningful to people, and it's confusing to most people. Most people think being woke is good. I want to know what's going on. I want to be aware. I want to be inclusive. What's wrong with woke? That little conservative, not little, that conservative bubble that these people function in, somehow or another convinced them that most people feel this way, and most Americans don't. And now if we can go back as we have about five more minutes left, um, please recap this weekend, the tours, and the upcoming March. Uh, give us a little tease as far as what your plans are for that, and we'll give you the last five minutes. Well, um, the tour um, took two days over the past weekend. I had 34 teachers with me, and we went to the, the places we mentioned earlier in this discussion. What I want to share with you is what the teachers told me when we sat down after each day to talk about how they felt about what they had experienced. And I would ask them, how are you doing? And I didn't mean, how are you doing? Like people say, how are you? I meant, how are you doing? We'd gone to the, 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 the hallowed ground I told you about in Okoy, where those bodies were there. Gone to Julia Perry's grave and sang over his grave and prayed over his grave. And I told people, touch the stone. Let him know you will leave a mark on the stone. So I wanted to know from them, what are you left with? Some of them were crying. These grown men and men and you know, in our conference room now, uh, many of them um, were angry that they were not going to, that they didn't know about these things to begin with and that they're not going to be able to teach them to their students. Many, many of them felt that that it was a life-changing experience. And indeed it was. So um, on the way back, 
when you've gone through a journey like that, a very intense emotional experience, it, it, it creates a bond, even if the group splits forever and never comes back together. But we had had such an intense time together uh, that I just fell in love with these people. And I told them, I told them that they reminded me of Tina Turner's song, You're the Best. Better than all the rest. Better than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> Better than anyone. They really were good. Their questions were good, insightful, and very importantly, CNN was on the followed us the whole two days. MSNBC, CBS, ABC—they were all there, and they were talking to teachers. Not, they always putting cameras in my face. I told them, "Go talk to the teachers, damn it! Y'all always talk to me. Listen to the teachers." And they spoke up. They they they, they laid it out. So the best part of the tour, the Teach the Truth, Teach No Lies tour, was teachers being heard on CNN. It hasn't even aired yet. With the, you know, just, they haven't even put the stuff out yet. But it gave a chance for teachers' voices to be heard. And as for the march, um, you know, on the one hand, I feel like, suppose you call it a march, nobody shows up. You know, uh, I've called it. Um, there's the only name on the application for the permit is my name. We didn't want groups on there so they could be liable for the police costs or this cost. It's Marvin Dunn exercising our First Amendment right to walk to the school board and protest. And uh, the city has been great. The police have been wonderful. Uh, and it's going to happen. How many folks will show up? I have no idea, but I think it'll be thousands. And, and one last question. Um... Uh, and Liz, I'll, I'll I'll let you ask one because I know you have five, but I just want to no, ask one more, one, one more. Okay. <laughs> um, have you teamed up or considered teaming up with First Nation groups because Florida has a history of Native American presence? And have you at all been approached, or have you all have you thought about including some of our brothers and sisters from the First Nations community? I have thought about it. Uh, my family is part Cherokee. I have thought about it. Uh, I've not reached out to to them. I can and should and will. Uh, what's happening to us has come on so fast that we have not spread our nets as far as we intend to and as far as we can. So that's in the plan. I will be. We will be reaching out to them because they're also hurting in many many ways. Good question. Absolutely, absolutely. And Liz, if you want to have the last question, we'll go ahead and wrap. Uh, future tours, have you got some scheduled? And because I'm trying to get down there, <laughs> <laughs> I want to come well, real bad. Well, the, the, the next one is going to be uh for New College. Remember, New College and all that crap the Santos is doing, which closes down this little, this little college trying to make it become a, the, the, the new uh, way that Christian education is going to happen in Florida. So, that little tiny college has been attacked by him, it's in Orlando, 700 students. And he's converting that into a Christian school and fired people. He fired professors who were not of the same political uh, stripe. Well, the first tour that we're going to do this fall is going to be New College. We're going to take a busload of New College students and faculty um, on two different tours. Um, all expenses paid by our, our nonprofit. And I'm going to teach at New College this fall. I'm going to offer a series on Black history. It'll be Zoom. I'll do some on campus lecturing. lecturing. But I wrote the president of New College a letter, Dr. Corcoran, uh, months ago, 
asking me if I would have the permission to teach at New College for free. Just may I have permission to offer a Black History course at New College to students who wish to enroll at no cost to the college. Never responded. No answer. So I've been to New College. I met with the faculty. I made the decision. I will teach at New College if I have to do it in the parking lot. Okay. Now, Good for you. No, on that note, <laughs> right. that belt time has gotten away. And, and of course, this is setting us up for another follow-up uh, conversation. But our thanks yes. and to Professor Emeritus of the Department of Psychology at Florida International University, Dr. Marvin Dunn. He is a researcher, author, presenter, host of two, yet to uh, have additional tours, no doubt, of, of, of just the Teach the Truth tour and Teach No Lies tour. And of course, we're going to hear many other uh, exploits of his. To learn more about this gentleman and his amazing story, visit DunHistory.com. That's D-U-N-N History.com. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Bring it on's executive producer is yours truly, Clarence Boone, and our assistant producer is the one and only Liz Mitchell. Joe Consultant, WFHB News Department Director is Kate Young, Program Engineer Chantal LaFontaine. Original theme music was created by Jamil Lethium with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Clarence Boone. And I'm Liz Mitchell. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.